These Sunday evenings at Hope Church, we're making our way through John's Gospel, and it's our, it's our tradition, our habit, to take passages of the Bible, going through a letter or a book or a part of the Bible, so we've just come to this passage. It hasn't been specially chosen, because we've got some dedications this evening. This is just the schedule. And I want to spend, I guess, 20, 25 minutes tops looking at these verses with you. And as I've studied them this week, I've discovered that they actually have a very deep connection with our act of dedication. There are two central items for us to focus on in this passage. A lamb and the Holy Spirit. The Lamb reminds us, as John is teaching us, that everybody needs a Savior. And John's lesson with the Holy Spirit is that everybody, everybody, needs help in life, which only God is equipped to deal with and bring to us. So with all the joy of thanking God for these children, we're remembering, aren't we? They're they're strapping boys. They really are. They're still small. And they're vulnerable. They're such a precious gift. They need the protection of family. Parents, friends, church, family. They need a saviour from their sins. And they need the power of God in their lives. And if their parents didn't believe that, we wouldn't be having this meeting. Well, how do we appreciate these truths? The need of a saviour, the need of God's help for life through the short passage which Naomi read for us. Well, the kind of framing of the passage is this, well, he's one of the Bible's scariest, strangest, and most serious men, John the Baptist, who had this uncompromising manner, an uncompromising message. He lived, lived a Spartan lifestyle, and he had one task, to tell people to turn away from their sins and to be ready for a coming day when a rescuer would come from God. And just look, if you would, please, if the Bible is in front of you, what John the Baptist says when he sees Jesus. Verses 30 and 31. In verse 30, he's saying, this is the man. This is the one that I've been talking about. This is what I've been telling you to get ready. He's come. But notice, John doesn't think, ah, he's come to join my partnership. John is in no doubt that Jesus is greater. He has surpassed me. He's the real deal, is what John is saying. And there's an intriguing hint here. He surpassed me because he was before me. Now, neither John the Baptist nor the Gospel writer John open that up. It's one of John's many tantalizing hints that there's great depths here. And maybe a hint towards what the rest of the Bible says are the eternal origins of Jesus Christ. But John is in no doubt. He has come. The Great One has come. And John's purpose is only to serve Jesus Christ. Mission. Do you notice that in verse 31, where he says, the reason I came baptizing with water, my whole job, was that he might be revealed to Israel, that John might prepare the way that God's people, his ancient people, might see God's Savior. 
So what's the revelation? John says it needs to be revealed. What's the revelation? What's the great message John has to give to Israel? What are we eavesdropping on 2,000 years later? The Lamb and the Holy Spirit. That's what's there. Let's listen in. Firstly, so I want to say two things. Jesus is the Lamb who alone deals with our sin problem. What does John say as he sees Jesus? Look. Verse 29, look. And they all turn round. And perhaps pointing, John says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Bible, as you know, as I've reminded you of earlier, is full of sheep. It almost smells of sheep. There are so many. And the Bible is repeatedly full of sheep because there are repeated reminders that we are just like sheep. We get things wrong. We're not very clever. We're led by the crowd. We get into all sorts of tangles and difficulties. We need a good shepherd to sort things out. And if we need help in our problems, how much more do children need help in their problems and difficulties? I was cycling back from church at Greenhead Park to Lunchtime, lovely, sunny day, the snow had gone, which meant the mud had come. And I cycled up the path, and this little boy had tears streaming down his face, holding his hands out, and they were black with mud. And as I looked closer, the mud was on his boots, on his trousers, on his chest, and on his face. He had it everywhere. And I got eye contact with his dad and gave him a really sympathetic look. And then as I cycled on, I cycled round again. And I went to the dad, and without being some spooky stranger danger, said, oh, I, your little boy's so muddy, I've got a clean handkerchief. <laughs> so we had a lovely chat. I know all about this man. We walked off, we found a, we found a melting snowman. And, and we got all the snow in this lovely little boy's hands. And then I met the wife and the three other children. We talked about our heritages and what we were doing in life. We dried his hands off. It was very happy. But parents, you laugh because you think, one minute, the sun's in the sky, your children are in clean clothes, the next minute, splat. It's all up and down them. Parents, we've been there, haven't we? Children, you're there regularly. Things happen quickly when you're a parent. We need help in life. John's come because we need more than a clean clean change of clothes. We need to be clean, deep within. And when John says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, to our ears, that's just bizarre, a person being a lamb. But I think to John's first hearers, see, we hear lamb and we think, well, that's a nice pet, or that's a lovely Sunday roast. But John's first hearers would have found that heart-stoppingly serious. Because in their mindset, because of their scriptures, Often when lambs were talked about, that was a language of sacrifice. And a lamb being provided for the sacrifice to deal with the wrongdoing of humans. One of the passages which sort of exists behind that statement and informs it is, of course, the Passover lamb. The Israelites on that night in Egypt, before they were going to be rescued from Egypt, they had to take an unblemished lamb sacrifice it, eat it in haste. And in this thing we find terrible, we're totally squeamish about blood, aren't we? They were to take its blood on the doorposts and on the door frame. 
above the top to show that they were trusting in God's mercy alone in a sacrifice in their place to take away their sin. Well, we modern people, we have a problem with sacrifice, don't we? Any notion of us sacrificing to a God out there is entirely alien. We're more comfortable with the uh, the horizontal sacrifices, aren't we? We know that really to achieve anything in life, you need to sacrifice, you need to give of yourself. It's going to hurt, it's going to involve effort to achieve anything. And we rather do expect other people to sacrifice to us, don't we? But a sacrifice on the vertical between us and God, it's a far more foreign concept to us, isn't it? Now, we know there's stuff in our lives that's not right, but we make excuses for it, or we try to come to terms with it, or find peace with it. That's the way we humans operate, isn't it? We soothe our consciences. But our consciences have this extraordinary knack of unsoothing themselves, of being disturbed, troubled, burdened, heavy. And if only we could do something, even sacrifice something, to make the past wrongs right and to settle the current things, and to deal with this conscience. And that's what this lamb person is all about. Jesus, as it were, walks into John's field of vision, into his life, into history, as a sacrifice, not that we give to God, But in a total reverse of how we think reality works, he is a sacrifice that God from heaven has given to the world. And the great job of Jesus Christ is not to make us feel guilty, but to come to our guilt. And by the most incredible act of self-sacrifice at the cross... To take that wrongdoing and its penalty from us. To lift it from us. To take it away. To pay for it with his blood. As a sacrificial lamb. That is a sacrifice we need. And it's been paid for us. And made for us. Isn't that... Isn't that remarkable? We open the Bible thinking it's going to send us on a religious quest. And the Bible says as plain as day to us, oh, it's all all been done. We're so glad you're here. You know you feel guilty. You know that guilt is real. You know who's dealt with guilt, don't you? It's already been done 2,000 years ago. Please catch up and welcome. John says, look, the old translations say, behold. Focus on Jesus Christ in a world full of distraction. Look at him. For some of us, that's got to be find out about Jesus, because unlike these wonderful children here today, that's not been our upbringing. We've not had the Bible in us. We're new to the Christian faith. The Bible is a foreign book. You need to find out. John says, look, 
study, investigate, ask questions about this quite unique man. We want to do that here at Hope Church. We do it every Sunday. We want to help you particularly. We have this course called Christianity Explored. The question of the tagline is, what's the best news you've ever heard? The Bible would say this is the best news any of us could ever hear. But this is a seven-week course for anybody to come with any questions. No question too simple, no question too strange, no question too hard. Come along, my wife and I are hosting this course. starts on the 11th of April. The information is here, it's in the foyer, it's online. I'd love to speak to you to tell you about the course and to welcome you. So come and find out that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. Such a strange, unexpected image, but so, so true. So many of us would say here, he really has taken our sin. So look means investigate, study, find out, get your answers. But look means, and then do something with those answers. Put your trust in him. As we pray that Andrew... Abraham and Elijah in time will do just that. So as we move on to the second and briefer point, can I just place mark a question? Is he your lamb? Is he the one who's taken away the sins of your world? Your conscience? Are you fully trusting in him? And knowing the love of God. Second thing for us to see is this, that Jesus possesses the Spirit who alone leads us to heaven. Jesus possesses the Spirit who alone leads us to heaven. So John says, verse 32, that He says, I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Now what John is referring to there is is when Jesus was baptized, it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all say the same thing, that as Jesus came up from the water, having been baptized by John the Baptist, the invisible God was briefly made in some tantalizing way, which we can't understand, he was made visible. There was something John saw which came down in a sort of dove's flight to land upon Jesus. Well, John knows that's not a something. That is a person. God the Father sent God the Holy Spirit on God the Son. And as we dig into that and we follow Jesus' journey, it's very clear that the Spirit was sent to empower the man Jesus Christ, for his ministry. Many people struggle to grasp who Jesus Christ is. That's understandable. I did for years. Perhaps you did as well, or perhaps you are trying to work out who is he. He's clearly not an ordinary man. He doesn't seem to be a bad man. Did he really have miraculous powers? Did he really heal the sick, calm a storm, raise dead people, feed a crowd, predict the future, fulfill prophecies, have the courage and the sacrificial love to go and die an appalling, agonizing death on a Roman cross? 
That's the record of the four Gospels. These four Gospels have survived the most rigorous and sceptical historical investigation and they still stand the test of time and of study. How did Jesus Christ live that extraordinary, unique life? Well, actually, the answer is here. It's the Holy Spirit. Verse 33, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So the Jesus who lived the most extraordinary life did so, the Bible says, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And John says that this Jesus is going to do something quite unique. This is what we need to listen into before we finish together. John's baptism was essentially about making people rightly sorry for their sins and realizing their lives were incomplete. And that's much of religion, isn't it? It's good at making people feel sorry about life and slightly empty. You get that religion in the church. You get that religion in other world faiths. Empty and inadequate. John says that when Jesus comes, everything is going to be different. John gladly leaves the stage. His work is done when Jesus has entered. But Jesus has come, in John's language, to baptize with the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit is Jesus' possession to bring into our lives. And when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he brings us this sharp awareness that we need Jesus as the Lamb of God. But he doesn't just leave us there feeling guilty and burdened. No, he leads us to place our faith in Jesus. And then here's what we could never anticipate. He floods our hearts with a great confidence and assurance. It's true. He's real. He's here. I am free. Amazing grace, as we shall sing in a few moments, that actually saves wretched me. And that's the arrival of Jesus Christ in our lives. And this phrasing, baptizing us with his Holy Spirit, making everything come real and true and wonderful. And maybe you've not tasted that yet. And maybe God is dealing with you this afternoon. You came to support friends or family. But God is saying you need support. More than that, you need saving. You need my son my precious lamb who laid down his life for you. You need forgiveness. And here's where you find it, trusting in the Lamb of God. And then God will say, you need help. Help from heaven. The Holy Spirit, who alone has the power to take all of those who are starting on the road with Jesus and sending them down that road, walking with us, guiding us, teaching us, encouraging us, lifting us up when we fall, and being our strength.
So Stephen and Naomi and Adil and Stina love their boys dearly. And who wouldn't? They're gorgeous boys. And they're other children too. And they would say to any of us, their biggest prayer and desire for their children. They trust the Lamb. And they live well in the power of the Holy Spirit. And for you and for me, that would be a life well lived, wouldn't it? Trusting fully in Jesus, relying completely on his Holy Spirit. And living as John did to honour this remarkable Son of God with every day, with every gift, with every ounce of our strength, honouring him because he's worthy. Of all, the book, of all the animals in that very strange book of Revelation, because it's full of animals. You know the animal that's mentioned way, way, way more than any other is a lamb. And if the book of heaven ultimately is structured to show what God thinks of Jesus, God thinks his son is a wonderful sacrificial lamb. And in that death we see the pinnacle of God's love and the source of our joy forever. So trust him and let him go with you. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for the mystery, the wonder, the truth and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that we, as with these wonderful boys we've dedicated, might really claim him for our own and might live with him wisely and well in the power of his Holy Spirit. We thank you for such love and we pray, Lord Jesus, and offer our lives to you for your name's sake. Amen. Amen.